0: Hello. Today's episode is with Kirsten Carey, guitarist and lead of the band Throwaway. We get into a cool conversation about her history in music, studying jazz, and getting into free improvisation, and punk, and art rock, and we talk about her band Throwaway, which she is the lead of, and the process for making music, making videos, and how to use music to explore all sorts of personal ideas and issues in the past, and political ideas, philosophies about life, all sorts of things like that. But before we get to that, please remember that I am a value-for-value-based musician and podcaster, which means that I provide content out to the world, and I ask that if my content provides any value to you, that you respond in kind by providing value back to me. There's easy ways to do that. The simplest ways to do that are to like, leave a comment, subscribe, things like that. Also, I love comments because I love engaging with the community of people who are listening to the things I put out, and I love responding and sort of getting a dialogue going. Other ways of providing value are you can donate to my Venmo, you can donate Bitcoin, or you can sign up on my Patreon on a monthly basis. And if you sign up on my Patreon, you get all sorts of bonus content depending on the tier that you pick. A couple of announcements before we get into the show. I have some shows coming up with Sap and Claw Elixir this coming September. On September 15th, we are playing at Valhalla in Austin, Texas. And on September 17th, we're playing at the Pecan Street Festival in Austin, Texas. Also, if you want to hear me play, I'm always playing around Austin with various people. I play with Ruby Groove, Candice Bellamy, Joyce Tauss, Solero Salsa Band. I have a solo act that I play around town. So just look me up. I'm always playing around town. So come hang out, have a beer. Welcome to Music in Mind. Music in Mind. Music in mind. Uh, hello everybody. I'm here with Kirsten Carey, who is also the uh, face and the is throwaway, right?
1: Well, throwaway, the character, is her own identity, but I, I see. am the real world counterpart, yes.
0: Okay, interesting. Very cool. Okay, so <laughs> it's difficult to introduce throwaway uh, because it's a little bit, we were just talking about this, a little bit hard to define. Mm-hmm. But I saw I saw you perform in L.A. Uh, a few years ago. Um, actually, many years ago now at Ham yeah, Eggs. It was probably like five, six years ago or something
1: Oh, like that. scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, because we met, um, I sort of knew about you uh, through connections through UW, uh, Ben Willis and AJ yeah. Grimm and stuff like that. So I sort of knew who you were. It's funny, but then I didn't meet you until I was out in California and it was at a, a UC Irvine party. Um, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was a UC Irvine party with, with Lizzie Erickson because I think you were working on an album with her. She was recording yeah. it at the time. And then I saw you perform at Ham and Eggs in L.A. with Oliver Dobrian. Right. And I I was just blown away. It I mean Throwaway is such a cool thing. It's just this musical force that's sort of all over the place and you said you don't like calling it punk. But but so what what is Throwaway to you?
1: I don't it's it's a weird. I mean it's like I feel at least like the first two Throwaway albums which the public has heard um are kind of the product of me chewing up and then spitting out, like, Primus and uh-huh. Mr. Bungle and, uh-huh. like, Deer Hoof. mm mm-hmm. um, I think those are kind of the big ones. Okay, all right. Um, so it's kind of, like, got this punk energy to it, mm-hmm. but, like, the reason I have... Qu- kind of eschewed the punk label or at least like I'm hesitant. Right. Is that I feel like they're always got this kind of like math rock element to it, but Uh it's not math rock. Yes. (laughs) And so it's like kind of, it, it's more like when you, as I have found out time and time and time again, touring in the before times, like, (laughs) <laughs> if you put throwaway on a build together with like punk bands, uh-huh. it doesn't actually make that much sense.
0: Interesting. Okay. Huh. I'm trying to remember the if there were other bands at that ham and eggs show.
1: I think it was.
0: I think there were. I just don't remember. Yeah,
1: there were. I feel like maybe my friend did offsell play that.
0: I really don't remember.
1: I think there might have been like an avant-garde jazz quartet. Oh wow. And then like my maybe like my friend Ricky's band played and he plays like indie rock. Uh-huh. Like interesting. Yeah. It's it's actually sort of like it's I've I've found it very tricky uh-huh. to book builds yes. for throwaway in america because there's not a lot of bands where we kind of fit cozily with it's uh-huh. sort of usually like a oh we have like this aspect of our music mm-hmm. and so like this is like a band that's like drawing on this but then like maybe our music is more like aggressive than theirs so uh-huh. like their fans may not actually like us
0: interesting <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think there's a there's something happening in music because there's a lot of new music coming out, like throwaway, or not even necessarily like throwaway. I just mean there's music has changed a lot in the last decade, I think, with mm-hmm. new music creators. And I think that I don't know if it's the record industry, I don't know what it is, but genres haven't changed. Genre ideas. Right. And I feel like if you go back through the the fifties through the nineties rock shifted. The genre actually shifted as the band shifted, but rock mm-hmm. means something now. There's like a wall around what rock is. And so there's all these new bands that are doing things just like bands have always done. They're always shifting and changing with the times, but the genre mean, the genres don't mean anything anymore. Or they, right. they maybe they mean too much. They mean something too specific.
1: Right. I mean, I feel like another band that sounds very different from us, but, we chair at this present time like two members with is uh aforementioned ben willis's band sag talk yes where are like th- there's no like neat way to describe sag talks music right yep and like you know because of the way that the music industry works and like you know, you're trying to promote your band and Mm -hmm. all these promoters are like, so what genre is it? What do you call it? And you're just sort of like, uh...
0: I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
1: Like, they get... They have that problem as well. And the kind of sad thing is that, like... I mean, I'll talk about this uh, for Saj talk so that I don't sound like an arrogant asshole talking about my own music. But I feel like... (laughs) you know, like Saj Talk is like some of the, one of the more like interesting bands mm-hmm. out there. And I think They're like a lot of interesting, thank you. It's See, this is the, this is the do it. jump do it. that I'm fine. trying to, you know, <laughs> encourage, yeah. but I feel like there's this pa- kind of parodical thing where like some of the more like interesting and inventive music being made, Mm-hmm. by people right now is hard to describe and therefore it's hard to promote and therefore right. a lot of people aren't getting to hear it because there's right. no like infrastructure to like give it to people yes. maybe yeah
0: yeah yeah it's it's like the, the double edged sword of infrastructure because it becomes totally <laughs> as, as it grows it becomes a gatekeeping system sort of mm-hmm. by definition but you but you need it to a point to get anywhere right it's like the the problem of youtube right right yeah it's it's crazy how that works but you mentioned that you do better in other countries yeah (laughs) that's interesting so well where is it easiest would you say we've
1: only gone to japan okay um i hope to go to europe next year that's kind of like on my 2023 uh aspiration board Mm -hmm. but We went to Japan in 2019 and it was freaky how it just worked. Wow. Like every gig we played on, there was like at least one other band that like really, 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 really made sense with us. Nice. Okay. And I mean like, but also if you think of, you know, now since the pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the bands that has become very popular at least in kind of the circles that throwaway seeks to travel in is like Otoboke Beaver which is a band from Kyoto. Okay. Um and I feel like Otoboke Beaver has now become like our like top like RIYL pitch. Okay. Like do you know that band? No. They're great. They're phenomenal. Okay. Um, it's a all female quartet.
0: Cool. And
1: they do have like similar to throwaway, like a very kind of like punk energy, uh-huh. but like their timing and like Yeah, yeah. The yeah. structure is like very like they're clearly like trained musicians. You uh-huh. know, okay. not to say like, of course, like a lot of punk musicians are trained musicians as well. I'm not trying to say that, but like, the the timing of Oda Boke, mm-hmm. Beaver songs is like more has like that kind of math element yeah. to it.
0: Is it Beaver as in like uh, the animal?
1: The animal, yeah.
0: Oh, that's great. That's my band's mascot.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> great.
0: They're so cute. I, I'm always like sending videos of, to to the bass player of Beavers like carrying food
1: great
0: (laughs) they're 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 hard workers yeah
1: anyway really are
0: uh, yeah it's it's a great it's a great uh mascot yeah so boke beaver yes does what does the first word mean
1: i actually don't know i oto is sound i'm not sure what the what it's supposed to be a portmanteau of though
0: nice well that's cool yeah yeah so i'll I'll look them up. That the, the thing you're saying about punk is interesting. I actually have this conversation about punk all the time because I, I find punk a really like it's a fascinating idea, and mm-hmm. it's like what you're talking about about trained musicians because I I agree with you. There's sort of that the impulse to to put training in opposition to punk,
1: right? And but then the way, you think about a band like X, uh-huh. you know, like the what the guitarist's dad like. Was regularly played with Django Reinhardt or something, right, right. right. Like, there's an ex documentary where the guitarist is just like playing, like flawless gypsy jazz in the kitchen yep. or something.
0: <laughs> I mean that, but I feel like it's it's less about the training and more about the eschewing the training. Like it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like I I, I heard about this. Um. Uh. It was it's a jazz performance, but it feels very punk insensibility to me whereas a jazz pianist who did a whole concert on saxophone and he didn't know how to play saxophone at all mm-hmm. and the idea is just like he's just he's just making sounds he's just making music he has no idea how to play this instrument yeah but he does a full concert on it which is which is wild which is if you're taking it seriously very punk and then and then it gets to that other thing that what do you know that uh with the the H. John Benjamin.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that when you were talking about it, yeah.
0: Right, it could go all (laughs) the way to the the sort of ridiculous, and then it, it kind of blends.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember when that H. John Benjamin thing came out, like, me and all my like fresh out of jazz school friends were like <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's pretty good so this what what was it called it's called like i should have learned to play piano or something
1: yeah like something like that
0: yeah anybody listening it's it's worth checking out there's a little like even just the trailer for it's fun. yeah
1: the video is really <laughs> i think the important part to see because this the session musicians are so confounded. It's very yeah. funny. Oh
0: man, it's it's great. Either they get a little like annoyed.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> point
0: they're like, "What is this?" Yeah. Um,
1: Which is an understandable reaction.
0: <laughs> yeah. So with throwaway though, technique is definitely a part of it for sure. I mean, like especially like time changes and things like that. But that punk sensibility of the technique not mattering is interesting to me because I remember when we were at that, when we met um, in Santa Monica at the UC mm-hmm. Irvine party, uh, we were talking about how neither of us is really like a gearhead. Yeah. Like I, I kind of, I have become one more out of necessity but I mm-hmm. don't really like it. I don't really care about gear that much. And totally. I prefer playing kind of bad amps and stuff like that and finding weird little corners where, like, oh, it breaks in that re- register. That's neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, but that feels much more on the punk side of things. That, yeah. That sensibility. And so where, with Throwaway specifically, where would you say the, the sort of the gear, the sound, the technique meets the... So, like, that that kind of virtuosic side Mm -hmm. meets the expressive side, which feels to me very... The expression feels very, quote, punk or something to
1: me. Yeah. I mean, I think, like, for me, the expression part is, like, the most important part of, like, any musical performance. Like, Mm -hmm. not even just throwaway, you know? Yeah. Like like that's sort of why I got interested in music in the first place is like as that kind of like mode of expression. Mm -hmm. So everything's sort of secondary to that. Maybe it's like a, (laughs) uh, extension of how kind of burned out I feel from like having to be on my phone all time, all the time and like laptops and stuff like that, that I really just can't be bothered to care about the, minutia of like amps and like yes re- like the kind of pedals where you have to like program things in beforehand mm-hmm. you know like I really like sort of knowing approximating where my knobs should be and just sort of letting the pedals surprise me and yes. then sort of writing out the consequences of that surprise I Love it.
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. totally um you know I sort of feel like, yeah, being too, like, I I guess I also just can't afford to be, like, a gearhead in terms yeah. of, like, amps, you know? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm not gonna, I don't really have the wherewithal to buy, like, a thousands of dollars Marshall stack. Right. So i'll make do with what i got
0: is that is that is that your your golden the the marshall stack is that what you're
1: not mean? really <laughs> you i think
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: i think i kind of like have i don't know my my association with marshall stacks are like there's there's definitely a double-edged sword there where like some of my favorite guitars of all time have played through marshalls right, and right. then like some of the most like obnoxious kind of like <laughs> M- I'm a man and I'm basically using my guitar as my dick. Right. Performances I've ever seen have also been through Marshall stacks.
0: Interesting. And I like how you're associating this with the Marshall stack.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: it all comes back to Marshall.
1: It all comes back to the Marshall <laughs> stack.
0: <laughs> that That's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's, I, I, I associate Marshall Stacks with that second thing you brought up a lot yes. more. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I think personally, because like I I believe Graham Coxon of Blur played through Marshall Stacks.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and he's probably the most uh informative guitarist on like my mm. style growing up. So sure. like if it weren't for Graham Coxon playing through Marshalls, I would definitely be entirely in the latter right, category. Right, right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> nice, uh, cool. Well, so that that that's that gear, the gear side of it.
1: Yeah, I have an orange, so that's my like.
0: I would have guessed... so if I if I like listened to your music and I say what amp do I guess this person would want to play out of it would be an orange for it's sure. It's
1: an orange, yeah. Yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> orange is great though. It goes all the way to like really heavy metal, like to. I how how light, uh, do jazz players play out of orange? I don't know.
1: Not really, no. Not really. no. <laughs> but I'm kind I feel of associated like
0: associated it with like Slipknot, actually.
1: Yeah, I actually think like the band that inspired me initially to get an orange, hilariously enough, uh, was the Decemberists.
0: <laughs> ah, nice.
1: Um, I was a giant Decemberists fan in high school, cool. and when I saw them when they were touring Hazards of Love, I believe their guitarist was running through an orange. And that's when I was like, orange amps are so cool. And then
0: they are cool. Yeah, they're kind of hard to work with, too.
1: Which kind of goes in with the whole like, well, guess I'm going to let this gear lead me and see what happens sort of thing that I like.
0: I like what you said about the you, you put you put the knobs sort of approximately where you want them and then you sort of deal with the consequence of that sound. I used mm-hmm. to do that when I was doing more free improv. Sometimes I would kind of randomly tune my guitar, sort of like twist the tuning.
1: Pegs,
0: and I wouldn't check it until I started playing.
1: Oh shit. See, I don't have the courage for that. <laughs>
0: and It's like, Whoa, where are we?
1: <laughs> That's very, very brave of you. <laughs>
0: well, n- n- no, 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 no. It-, it made sense in the context. We weren't playing anything like tonal. We weren't playing chords. It was just like, it was just sounds, just yeah. abstract sounds, that kind of world. But, um, Cool. So you mentioned Primus, mm-hmm. which is I I can very much see the connection. And then it's it's that it's that mix of technique and humor. Yes. Now I don't see Primus as being having quite that kind of visceral or sort of like anger that I feel a little bit in some of Throwaway. Like I feel like Throwaway mm-hmm. has this sort of manicness to it sometimes. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Um. Like I, I was watching. What was the name name of the It was a it was an old live performance. Oh boy! Uh, oh,
1: like I set the hi hat. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Yes. What What was the name of the song? It had this really cool riff that was like changing meters, and then it was sort of like mumbling, but it.
1: Had oh, it was this probably like, like "I Work," maybe.
0: Maybe what was? Or Julep. It? Julep, yes, that one was awesome. I love Thank that. Thank you. But it was uh, it just it has this like. This focus and blur all at the same time, Mm -hmm. which which feels very expressive in a way where like it makes the primus side of it primus feel like just a rock band almost. (laughs)
1: Thanks.
0: (laughs) So so where 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 is that coming in for you? The like it's almost like art school or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that like those kind of like tweaks of it are definitely coming from more my emotional side. I mean, the song that you just sort of, Julep, like I, when I first wrote it, I mean, I remember writing it in my, like, I had like a book for my like rock songs and like a composition book for my like free jazz songs. And Julep started in the free jazz book.
0: Ah, I can see that. So
1: I was sort of imagining it going to a free jazz. Mm -hmm. And then it became clear that it was maybe more for the rock projects. But like that song is also about. Like the kind of like mystical entity that I call julep in the song is sort of obliquely about alcoholism. Oh, okay. Um, And I'm a child of an alcoholic. So, Mm. like, Mm -hmm. it to me, like, the whole song kind of takes place in this, like, very Lynchian kind of basement bar. Okay. Like, has this sort of creepy vibe to it.
0: So, it it is the drink. (laughs) Yeah. I see. Okay, wow. Okay, so that's interesting. So, then that brings up a whole other, like, a personal side of it. Mm Mm-hmm. This is something in my, my music, I tend not to be very personal, which I think is a flaw of mine. I tend to be sort of like philosophical with lyrics and things like that, which is fine. But but uh, the Two different
1: the, sides of a coin.
0: <laughs> but the, the bass player in my band is very personal. Mm-hmm. And so it, so we kind of have this mix of that. So I, I, I'm interested in that. Would you say that you're or where would you put your writing on that? Because that feels like a very personal exploration. I but then think it's also it... world building.
1: Yeah, like, I think it's changed. Like, I feel like Julep is a personal song, but it's kind of secretly a very personal song. Yep, yep. Like, there's nothing about it on the surface that would make you be like, oh, this is like, (laughs) this is like kind of about a child of an alcoholic sort of like chewing over the vibes of like, what does it mean that she has begun to like, have a beer you know Uh
0: uh-huh right
1: um but i think especially with like so like the first album of material what i think sort of follows that general rule where if anything is very personal it's sort of personal in a more detached way right or in a kind of like like using humor like Mm -hmm. in the way of like exotic bird to kind of like be like this is a personal song but i'm using humor to kind of distance myself from it a little bit sure um and the newer the new one uh hand that takes there are a couple songs that are more personal like six okay um and i think q babe is very personal but it does do that humor trick as well right um the new stuff that I'm writing is way more like I I it's there's some humor in uh-huh. it, but it's less funny. It's more just like personal. I see.
0: So what what is the function of humor in music for you and your music?
1: Um, I mean, I think it for me has been a way to make heavy emotional topics palatable. Sure. You know, for both myself and the listener, Mm -hmm. honestly, like, you know, in the, in the case of Q Babe, like that song is about having thought OCD, um, which is when I wrote it, it felt very, um, nerve wracking to me to write because it is something that until very recently, I found it very hard to talk about. Sure. Um, So, like, adding this sort of, like, humorous part to it so that it's sort of, like, cocky, sort of funny, Mm -hmm. like, kind of has this, like, weird, like, kind of bop to it, like, jauntiness. Sure. Um, Like, that made it easier for me to write and easier for me to perform.
0: I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. You know? Would you say that humor takes it to a place where you can be outside of it a little bit or
1: something a little bit yeah
0: okay. well i i remember i don't remember what comedian it was but i mean it's a little bit of a uh he's making a lot out of he- comedy but he was saying that most comedians laugh so that they don't have to cry or something like that and it's like the totally clown, sad clown kind of a thing yeah And then there's a long history, of course, of like humor in the Jewish community as a way of dealing with traumas of the past and things like that. And uh, I think that humor is just it's a fascinating tool for how it can be treated artistically to face and deal with all sorts of uh, painful or uh, hard subjects.
1: Totally. There is that, um, for a while, this really great podcast called The Hilarious World of Depression, where this (laughs) comedian, uh, this comedian, John Moe, uh, just, like, interviewed, like, other comedians. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, Andy Richter was on it. I think, like, Paul F. Tompkins was on it, like, about their experiences with depression. And now he has a new... Uh, podcast called depression mode which is kind of more he casts the net a little wider but he talks to a ton of like artists and comedians still mm-hmm. um yeah like that connection has always been interest interesting to me i mean the various ways that people uh cope with their kind of mental illness and trauma and yes. what have you with mm-hmm. Humor and sort of the arts in general. Yeah. A lot of people. Uh, I I have a lot of people in my personal life who are like, "Hey, this Maria Bamford joke reminded me of you."
0: <laughs> That's funny. Nice.
1: I'm like, thank, thank you.
0: <laughs> well, at least it's good jokes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there is like one show. Like one joke in particular that the old one of the throwaway drummers told me uh, reminded him of me from her show, Lady Dynamite, where she's like doing a stand up in like a laundry uh, room or something. And she's like, You ever just think about how you can murder your whole family? yeah like the room is just dead silent that's
0: great i love it just to be able to do that is amazing
1: yeah she's the best
0: (laughs) just the command of the crowd too yeah that's actually that's crazy back interest back to slipknot it's like two different ways of commanding the crowd in the same in the same way uh like what you're talking about about being able to be in a laundry room or something with a group Mm -hmm. of people and just being able to to take the space and just like we're just gonna say something really dark and just sit in this, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna take you there and just come with me is amazing. And it like it makes me it's like the the intimate corollary of that that silly like there was like a famous thing Slipknot does at every concert where they like have everybody get down, and he's like priming them, and then they all jump around and like go insane. Yeah. But it's like, it's this command of an audience that's crazy that I think of as a performer all the time. It's just that, like, come with me, trust me, we're going to do something.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I feel like for me, like, the, like, I was never a huge slipknot person growing up, but the band that did that for me was, can't believe I'm bringing this up twice, The Decemberists. Oh, nice. I saw them so many times as a teenager and they would do shit like, uh, all right, so, like, at this point in the song, um, we're going to have everybody scream like they're being swallowed by a whale. <laughs> and, like, one of the times I saw them, because I grew up in Chicago, they were like, all right, we have the Decemberist family players, and we're going to go out there, and we're going to, with members of the audience, reenact the St. Valentine's Day massacre.
0: Oh, wow. That's great.
1: It was so fun. That's amazing, yeah. And they, like... Uh, I think the guitar, like Colin Malloy, the main guy, stayed up on guitar and the drummer stayed up. And so they were like providing sound effects while the rest uh. of the band like embodied like Al Capone in mm-hmm. his gang.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's it's the same idea. It's it's having fun with it. Mm-hmm. But it, it's that it's that creating a journey. I, I think about this with music. I've been thinking about this a lot, that music is a form of magic. Mm hmm. And that what you're doing is you're sort of making an illusion, mm-hmm. like an illusion space that the musician and the audience is sharing. Mm-hmm. And so like a good musician is like, come on, trust me, we're going to do we're going to be up here we're, it's not me and you. It's this we're going to be in this world, which is interesting. Like what you're talking about with Julep is you are creating a world mm-hmm. and the world doesn't have to be nice, but it's like it can be like, hey, have you ever thought we're all going to kill our, or I'm going to kill my family in the night or something? That's not really nice. But it's like this shared world and everybody's like, yeah, I maybe have thought something sort of like that. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> have you ever, um, have you, have you watched Adventure Time?
0: No, I know about it. I haven't. I am a big cartoon guy. All I okay. watch is cartoons, but I haven't. And you've that never one,
1: watched Adventure Time? That
0: one and Rick and Morty.
1: Wow. <laughs>
0: Partly it's because people always tell me to. And,
1: I'd hit up Adventure Time before Rick and Morty. Okay. It's it's better, it it is more consistent. Okay, cool. Um but there's in adventure time at some point they bring up this uh idea of the wizards in the show having the being kind of guided around the three pinnacles of magic, madness, and sadness.
0: Magic, madness, and sadness.
1: Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. Uh, and it's just one of those moments where it's like a very clear metaphor for being a creative, you know?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I've like found myself thinking about that a lot mm-hmm. kind of ever since I watched those episodes. And I mean, nice. we've talked about that kind of, yeah how that all plays out. Yep. Well, and then with
0: throwaway specifically, uh a lot of your videos have that animated, or uh, well, are animated, right? Yeah. Or, or at least a, animated in a sense of at the very least a superimposition mm-hmm. of h- how should i describe like the character of throwaway throwaway is
1: yeah her is? name is throwaway
0: her name is throwaway okay yeah her name is throwaway so so this 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 character being embodied either superimposed onto something uh I, whether it's animation or video or something like that mhm but yeah, I mean that 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 the conjuring of something that that's being embodied mm-hmm. is is interesting there. So, so where does where do you fit into throwaway then?
1: So <clears throat> the narrative. Wonderful. I mean, kind of the idea is that like throwaway is kind of an entity that takes the slot where I would be uh-huh. like in her version of the world, and like that version of the world is the world that we see through our like screens as we're like scrolling through Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whatever. Mm, okay, uh, which is why she does not make appearances at live performances only on screens.
0: Interesting, okay, I didn't know that. yes, okay, all right, so then <laughs> she doesn't make live performances, so the live performance what how does the narrative translate into the live performance then
1: i mean if i'm if I'm in her slot in this world, yeah. then I'm doing the live performance. I see, I see. it's kind of a symbiosis
0: right. Also, she, does she play guitar in the videos? Oh, yes. In the video? Okay, okay, okay. Cool.
1: Um, she, I mean... Maybe. She plays guitar. We have yet to, like, fully animate her doing the correct <laughs> fingerings <laughs> and everything.
0: Nice. Well, I but. guess it, it'd be funny to, like, um, those old Metalocalypse mm-hmm. cartoons and stuff with the, the fingers, but they still have three fingers, right?
1: In Metalocalypse, I actually haven't. I've only seen a couple episodes of it. It's been a I second.
0: I think there's a tradition in cartooning that cartoons only have three fingers.
1: I think it's four. Is it four? Yeah, like oh. SpongeBob, I believe, has four fingers.
0: Is one of them Mickey a thumb, Mouse? Though? I
1: think has four. Yeah. Oh, oh okay, yeah. I get what you're saying. Yes.
0: So three to play guitar with.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So the new the the newest video dinosaur yes I've watched that a few times now it's pretty oh, wild you. it's pretty yeah. cool uh, the animation on it did you do that
1: Ben did it Ben oh, Willis
0: okay. it's very um, cool animation yeah
1: yeah. Uh, yeah Ben's an incredible animator that was sort of his like COVID incubation was to like mm. he did a bunch of music videos for. Um, this band we played with in Osaka that's absolutely incredible called Oh Summer Vacation.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and he did a music video for another Detroit band called Summer Like the Season. Okay. Um, that's also a kind of a mix of live action and animation. Nice. Um, and he's done like music videos for, um, like Mark Kirschman and William Hooker's duo and like things like that. Um, but yeah, my, I I went to Ben and my friend Maddie Rager, who is one half of a performance art duo based in Detroit called Thank You So Much for Coming, mm-hmm. um, and I told them I wanted to for Dinosaur, which is this very like aggressive mm-hmm. song, uh, have a music video with throwaway and dancing dinosaurs that was in the kind of referential vibe and same vein of the music videos of a J-pop artist named Kyari Pamyu Pamyu. Okay. Um, if you or anyone listening has not watched Kyari Pomu Pomu music videos, they are immaculate. You will spend okay. the afternoon. Uh, I highly recommend starting with uh, Ninja Rebang Bang. Okay. And then following up with uh, pon pon pon
0: okay cool
1: and then uh tsuke, oh boy suke which just fine just kind of follow that until you come to it she's <laughs> it's, it's a song about uh wearing fake eyelashes and feeling cute
0: oh nice cool <laughs> that's fun <laughs>
1: yeah but like all these music videos are like very vivid and have these kind of like like dancing while in these like sometimes like in ninja re bang bang like she's live action and everything surrounding her is animated
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um or otherwise it's like all live action but like people are just in like ridiculous costumes Mm -hmm. and like these very like grand settings Mm -hmm. they're all like they're they're amazing videos yeah Um, so I was like, yeah, so what if we just like had dancing and like pop music, dancing and this kind of like bubbly aesthetic, but like in the background, like a city is being destroyed.
0: Wonderful. That's great. Dinosaur. Yes. (laughs) So you seem to have a lot of connection to, to Japanese music, art, culture. Yeah. how long have have you been interested? Was it through, through sort of anime interests growing up and things like
1: that? It started there. I mean, I kind of... Um, one of my jokes is that I became interested in, like, everything a 12-year-old boy likes between the ages of, like, 18 and 20. <laughs> um, nice. So, like... I didn't really, I mean, I liked Pokemon as a kid, but right. I didn't really get into anime until my junior year of college and my friend, oh, wow. yeah, and my friend gave me Cowboy Bebop and was okay. like, you should watch this. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and I fell in love with it, and then mm-hmm. from there watched like Samurai Champloo, and then that went into Akira and then that eventually bumped into um no, this was my senior year of college. Whoa. Yeah. Uh because once all the dust settled, all of Attack on Titan was out. Mm-hmm. So then I watched all of Attack on Titan and it kind of just went from there. Okay. Um into now it kind of just snowballed to this point where like I like I got reinterested because I took one year of Japanese in high school, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, I should like dig back into the language." Mm-hmm. And then, as I became more obsessed with anime, I became interested in going to Japan and mm-hmm. got interested in Japanese music. And then I went to Japan, and I became interested in the shamisen and got a grant to study the shamisen. Wow. So now I'm like actually next week going to Japan for three months to study shamisen.
0: That's amazing.
1: I was supposed to go in April, 2020, but right. so it goes with the something world. Something happened, right. Yeah. Something happened. Um, So, yeah, it was this sort of snowball effect, but like it's sort of strange. And then like video games came into that and all that, uh-huh. but like, it's sort of like this weird thing where it's like you would think it started in my childhood because of how deeply I just fell into that. But like it, you know, it's only been like a decade because um, I'm 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's a but good age. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fine age. Um, Wonderful. But yeah, it, it was the kind of thing where like the... More, I kind of, like, used my little ins as, like, ways to kind of further dig into larger perspectives of Japan and Japanese society and Japanese art. I just sort of felt like a lot of the ways that I kind of, like, interface with the world and also kind of, like, think about music and art are sort of, like, reflected in the art that they are right that right comes out of japan so yes. it's kind of like a cozy it feels very cozy to me
0: mm. and, and it's japan very cool does. that you're you're working on the shamisan playing like specifically i mm-hmm. i heard about this band i don't even remember what they're called uh
1: oh is it god of shamisan
0: no 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 it's nothing to do with shamisan oh but wow I, I just mean that so i i appreciate that you're 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 going to japan to learn it uh somebody showed me this band and it's these two guys and they go around the world and they just find instruments and they don't they specifically don't learn how to play them. Oh wow. And they just like make whatever music they can on them, which is fine. It's a little bit like that saxophone thing, but it feels like a little weird.
1: I right? have I think I might have moral issues with it.
0: No, I I agree. <laughs> it's like it's, I like I kind of get it, but like you're being Pretty disrespectful <laughs> to these. Yeah.
1: Cultures. To like make a point of like, it's our whole thing to go and like find these like instruments of other cultures and just not learn anything about them. And that's like our thing.
0: Like we have guitars. We can do that with our instruments too. I right. Mean, this is the thing is like, you and I do weird things with guitars, but that's like, that's the culture we grew up in. Right. It's a little bit strange to go to another country and be like, I'm gonna mess with your instrument.
1: Yeah. I mean it's like for me with the shamisen, like I am honing in and like studying um the Tsuguru style, mm-hmm. which is actually having like a moment in anime. Oh cool. Like multiple animes are like uh anime's who am I? Um multiple anime are like referencing shamisen but the Suguru style in particular. Okay. There was cool. even just a Suguru shamisen anime last year. Oh. Um okay.
0: So what what is is this a it's a it's a particular like technique or genre? Or?
1: Yeah. Okay. Like there's a couple different types. Um I mean there's like the I mean there's sort of like the shamisen playing like that accompanies like kabuki theater Mm -hmm. like that's one kind okay um and then you have i mean and there's more styles than this too i'm sure um and then the kind of shamisen you might see in like a geisha house Mm -hmm. where like a geisha would be singing a song Mm -hmm. and accompanying herself on shamisen and i think there's like there's like juta and then there's one that's, like, shorter songs. Okay. Um, and then there's, like, festival shamisen, which mm. kind of relates back to the other two in a certain way. Sure. Um, and all of those styles are, like, centuries old. Um, wow. okay. But the... Because the shamisen is related to an instrument that came to Japan from China, like, okay. probably around fifteen sixteen hundred. It's History like lesson. Loot, Look right? at this. this. Is cool. This is awesome.
0: I like it. So <laughs> oh, is it a lute or a guitar? No,
1: I have it right here. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's kind of lute ish. I kind of compare it to the banjo.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's amazing. It's fretless? Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs> I have little like pencil sketchings of where my <laughs> frets are.
0: And it's played with a, a plectrum, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this cool. like
1: big fan thing. Nice. Um but the style Tsuguru that I'm learning uh, has its basis in Aomori, which is the northernmost prefecture on Japan's main island. Okay. Um and so it has like Like the, you know, it's like harsh winters, like that kind of thing. Um, And the style originated from street performers who were going door to door, trying to like, you know, beg for money, Uh Mm -hmm. like essentially busking. Right. But uh, to kind of one up another and get more attention, they started (laughs) trying to be the one who plays the fastest and the loudest.
0: Oh, Nice. Okay. So then they start playing, like, (laughs) thrash metal.
1: Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, this whole style of shamisen started that's just, like, fast and loud.
0: Is there sweep picking on shamisen?
1: (laughs) There's a... Not sweep picking, but there is kind of like a... (laughs) There's like a... It's... Oh, shit. What's it called? Oh, my sensei would be so mad at me. Um, It's like you hold the bocce down on the... Uh, on the neck and kind of like sweep it instead okay. of picking it back up again
0: cool that sounds awesome yeah i want to hear this and so so it's, it's it's virtuosic it sounds like
1: yeah the people who are like really good at it are i mean i'll i'll send you some videos yeah. like my my sensei has like sent me kind of a list um nice but the people who are like virtuosos are completely like you watch these videos and you're just like what the hell <laughs> it's so crazy
0: yep yep that's
1: and it's so it's such a loud instrument too. really because the body is hollow mm-hmm. it's just like a uh, skin and then hollow wood and you're whacking it as hard as you can basically so it's like sometimes after i practice like my ears are ringing
0: whoa yeah, it's that loud.
1: It's really that's loud. That's
0: crazy. Well, th- that also makes it like banjo because banjo is super loud too. Yeah, the guitars are so quiet. I know they're such like delicate little <laughs> instruments.
1: Yeah, we need we need those giant Marshall stacks to make it loud. It's so
0: silly. It's <laughs> so silly. Well, that's awesome. That's amazing. And so you're you're heading off next week to to do a few months of study for that. Yep. Very very cool. Is is Shamisen gonna find its way into Throwaway?
1: I don't know. So okay. like, I think the whole reason I started talking about this is that like, in my, I finally got to a place where like in my improvisational practice, I'm starting to kind of like peek in
0: Shamisen. Ah, yeah yeah okay.
1: Um, I. I played my first public show on Shamisen earlier this year in a kind of like improvisational context. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had a sort of semi show semi hang (laughs) with people in LA uh, where I was just like, where I improvised on Shamisen. Um, So it's like, I'm starting to find those kind of like, you know, like effects and extra techniques and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but i mean at least to me personally it was important that i i'm coming from a ground where i'm like learning at least one of the like actual schools Mm -hmm. of this instrument Mm -hmm. and then kind of from there and from having that point of view, kind of starting to venture out and figuring out how it can go into like other work, you know, Mm -hmm. but I've also just fallen in love with playing it in the kind of more traditional senses.
0: That's great. I love it. So much fun. It's similar to me with banjo. Like I found banjo uh, a a few years ago and I just absolutely fell in love with it and like learning claw hammer style.
1: Oh, that's so cool.
0: I love claw hammer. And it's, it's like, it's so limited too. When mm-hmm. I lo- it's it's like we were talking about about the playing on a bad amp, because yeah. how you play it there's so there's so few things you can do, but then it opens up all this new type of creativity. And stuff. Totally. Yeah, it's it's great. So before we play something, mm-hmm. let's circle back. I'm interested because you were saying when you were in school, your, your free jazz notebook. Did you study jazz in school?
1: I sure did.
0: You sure did. <laughs> Yeah, so so you went to college for music, right? Yes. Okay. Okay, I actually don't know your history that well. Oh, dang. So, yeah. I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah, I went to uh I studied jazz at the University of Michigan. Okay. Um Good spot. Yeah, it's I mean, great. Is it great? And, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And a, I mean a lot of my friends and collaborators are still like like a really shocking number are people I just went to school with. Uh-huh. I mean, like I met Ben at U of M and Maddie I met at U of M and uh John Taylor, who's the current drummer for Throwaway. Mm, cool. U of M. Like nice. a lot of people in my life are uh people I met, you know, in those four years. Mm-hmm. Um which is very wild to think about, but also just sort of shows the strength of uh, their arts program. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird, and I'm honest, I don't know. I mm-hmm. Maybe in some ways it's gotten better, but in some ways it seems like it's unfortunately very similar. Um, like being at a, a female in a jazz program Mm. in 2010. Um, it was sort of weird. Mm, Hmm. Um, and I think actually a lot of my decisions about where to go with my career were highly influenced by sexism. Oh, but like the quiet kind.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, like, my sophomore year, these, like, three new guitarists came in, and all three were male. Uh-huh. And they were, like, two of them at least were very kind of, like, flashy and cool.
0: Right. Marshall Stacks, yeah.
1: Yeah, One of them is totally a Marshall Stack kind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yep. And, like, I just had multiple... Uh, experiences where I got outshined by them. Sure. For, n- for no reason, I right. think, other than the people, like kind of the people who hold held mm-hmm. the keys to being the cool guys in the program. I see. Were I see. like oh you're one of the guys let's hang out let's yep. do this and yep. like I never got that invitation
0: mm, I see
1: and that's kind of what drove me to going free right and getting like into just fr- like feeling improvisation not accepted into the club, right. right I was like well fuck this of course. like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go over here and be mad
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and yeah.
1: uh I discovered that was a much better fit for me anyway sure, sure, sure. and the people who were in that scene had a lot less quiet sexism, sure about how they interfaced with the world <sighs>
0: yeah i I think it it it's tough with those with those those situations where they're looking for something sort of specific and they're not even maybe I mean maybe they are aware of it maybe they're doing it on purpose maybe they're just. They're just so focused on this flashiness that they're not even aware of the fact that they're isolating you and things like that.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was intentional. I definitely don't think it was intentional. Right. But it was, you know.
0: But not not a welcoming space.
1: Right. It's yeah. like a weird thing where you're like, well, this person wasn't trying to be this way. But the effect was still that I felt unwelcome in the space. Yep. At the end of the day, Mm -hmm. you know, which is like a it's tricky. It's like that's kind of the that's a tricky thing about like quiet sexism or quiet Mm -hmm. racism. Right. It's like people say they aren't thinking that way, but just because of how our society functions, like a lot of people have certain kind of like patterns of thinking or patterns of social acting kind of ingrained in them. Yep. And, you know, yep. the results are what they are.
0: I feel like in a situ- uh, um leading a music studio in, in a higher education sense is, is sort of difficult in that, in that, uh, in that you end up with different types of students who have different Focuses and different needs and being able to foster a situation where the spaces that they're occupying are given their sort of fair due or something like that. So, you, mm-hmm. you know, you have the f- the flashy, virtuosic, whatever, you know, playing all their Paganini and stuff and you go, oh, great, that's awesome. And then somebody else who's doing something sort of inherently different and mm-hmm. being able to elevate both of them as much as you right. can and have them coexist is a... Uh, It's a difficult, but I think maybe like a a crucial element of fostering a music studio.
1: Totally. I mean, and I think U of M is like, like they were good at that, I think, Uh especially compared to other schools back then. And I think under one of the, cause like when I went, like once I did the turn towards free improvisation, Mm -hmm. I still felt pressure like i was Mm. i should still be doing my bebop studies and scales and all that you know yeah even though that was kind of increasingly becoming clear that that was not me yep Yep. you know
0: two five ones
1: yeah exactly (laughs) um and i think that's getting better like one of the people who was like most supportive to me, uh, is Andrew Bishop, who is now the chair of the department.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Um, and he's very, he's very conscious of all this and also Mm -hmm. very conscious about like, you know, trying to make sure female students are supported and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, when I was in the program too, it was like 60 people at least like in the 60s, and the whole
0: jazz program or jazz of the guitar? whole
1: jazz program okay. and the fact that I'm counting on my hands says a lot one, two, three, four, five six of them were women.
0: Wow okay That's quite a ratio.
1: Yeah and three of three of those women were me and two other people from my year.
0: Oh oh uh, <laughs> I'm glad you uh, three of those women were me. Yeah,
1: three of those women were me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was living a triple life at the time.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That'd be amazing.
1: As a bebopper, a rock guitarist, and a freak jazz guitarist. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Did you ever go back to bebop? No. Never? No. Interesting.
1: I mean, like... I think I... Like, for a little bit after I graduated, I kind of, like... I think even maybe when I lived in L.A., I went through a period where I was just sort of like, oh, bebop is kind of fun if yep. there's, like, no pressure to it. And I, right. am you know, started practicing Donnelly and was like, yeah, this is, like, a fun finger stretch, you know? Yep, yep. Which it is. But I have not played a jazz head now in wow. three years since the pandemic.
0: So you don't... This is the tricky part is, like, that the the desire to sort of prove yourself to the music gods or something Uh-huh. And, or like to the bebop gods or to the classical guy. I get this every now and then it's like, I can play a concerto. Yeah. Like, totally. why, why, am I, why am I, why am I spending my time trying to do this? And I'll like, I'll spend like a week and then I'll be like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> why do I need to prove that? Who am I proving this to? <laughs>
1: right. I got a whole book of like, uh, I had a, um, someone at BAMF recommended that I get the Bach. Uh, uh-huh. Concertos, or like I think he specifically said, actually the cello concertos, the which is what I have somewhere. Oh, the
0: concerto, hmm. The sweets. The sweets. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. Bur-de-de-bur, See, De-bur-de-bur.
1: exactly. <laughs> um, and I practiced them for a week, and it was like super fun. But then, I, uh, yeah.
0: yeah, I mean box great. I probably if I'm going to go classical, that's the first thing I'll do. But
1: yeah, I think for me it's more like I'm not practicing those. To be, because I'm gonna play them live. I just think they're very, yep. they're fun to practice. Yep. But I think like the space in my brain that would take up is now being occupied by practicing shamisen
0: Yep. Yep. So, but you see, that's that you have a pursuit that you want to do. You're not like trying to prove yourself to. Totally. Uh, to, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not like, <laughs> silly, like, I'm
1: not like, I'm gonna shed Donnelly so I can go to the gym and. Maybe I'll get a gig with the maybe. drummer.
0: Right, exactly. A gig that you don't even want that much. I
1: don't even really want that gig.
0: <laughs> Dude, I made the mistake of going to a jazz jam and uh, they they called me to play something and they said, do you know it? And I was like, uh, maybe I can figure it out. And I could oh, not no. figure it out. They got really mad at me. They stopped me mid-solo. Oh, no. They're like, if you don't know it, don't play. And I was like, oh, oh. fuck. <laughs> was like, okay. But see, that, that's also
1: kind of like, the shitty attitude of jazz nowadays that makes it unwelcoming you yeah. know <laughs> it's sort word. of like instead of being like if you don't know it don't play be like oh you don't know it let us teach it to you like here's the changes
0: yep you i know? feel like there's this jazz thing though like if you don't know get out of here kind of a thing totally yep yeah that's that's jazz i mean it's not just jazz but it is jazz Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, do you want to play something? Do you want to play a jazz tune? <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding.
1: <laughs> Let's play "Stablemates." Yeah. <laughs> I actually "Stablemates" was one of the ones I liked.
0: Nice. I mean, I love jazz songs. I mean, I uh, I practice them from time to time. But uh, maybe I'll grab my banjo.
1: Ooh. All right. I'll be right back. I kind of want to hear what a banjo Shamisen duo sounds yeah. like. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I might need to tune. Okay. Wait, what key is your banjo in? C. Oh, so is my Xiaomi oh, Amazing. Wait. <laughs> There's a... I don't know if... I hope it's not coming through, but in my building outside of the studio uh, window... We're lucky enough to be directly by our building's AC oh, great. unit nice. that just runs for the whole building. <laughs> and it emits a very loud drone that is a perfect D.
0: Perfect. Okay, great. So you're always on a C9. Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: How's the levels for that?
0: Uh, I can hear. I'll just play softly, too. We can kind of have a...
1: Cool. To, uh octave fifth octave?
0: Yeah, and I just have the, the ninth on there.
1: Dang yeah. The difference is I'm not used to doing double stops online. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's tough.
0: Nice. <laughs> Actually I can hear it pretty well through your through your headphones.
1: Oh hooray. That was
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well that was that was fun. We got some neat places. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. So what's what's coming up for, for throwaway for Kirsten? For...
1: Well, um for Kirsten, I mean I'm about to spend ninety days in Japan, so Amazing! Um, If anyone happens to be in Japan, I I do have a couple shows um, on guitar. Uh, One of them is going to be with uh, Ryosuke Kiyasu of uh, Fushi Ah, God, I can never say this band name. Fushitsucha, Futsushuha, ha. ha. Um, And then Throwaway. We are finishing recording our next album, which is going to be a rock opera.
0: Oh, awesome!
1: So, yeah, I'm very excited for it, uh, and everyone should watch out for that. Is and, there a
0: release date or an estimate? Oh, no, we're okay. still in that. It's just, it's just trucking, okay.
1: Yeah, we, we played it live for the first time earlier this year in its entirety, and Amazing. then we went, we jumped into the studio, um, okay. so, yeah.
0: Cool. Well that's super 2024?
1: <laughs> Who knows?
0: Okay, well I'm I'm excited for it. Thank well, you. Yeah, well thanks. Thanks so much for talking with me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and uh all all throwaway links below. Everybody follow, go find, go find Kirsten, go find throwaway. Cool. Thanks. Thanks everybody.
1: Thanks. <laughs>
0: Alright, thanks for listening or watching. That was Kirsten Carey. Be sure to check her out. Check out ThrowAway. Go subscribe, watch the videos, do all the stuff. Alright, I'll see you all next time. Bye.